it is the pink elephant theory. If the guest wants a pink elephant, get them a pink elephant. If you can't find a pink elephant, get a horse, paint it pink, convince the guest that's an elephant. Do whatever it takes to ensure they're happy. That's it. Are they happy? Welcome back to the pink elephant in the room. I am Chris Adams. Today, um, I'm excited because one, I love them, but two, I have no idea what's going to happen over the next 45 minutes or so. The one and only Filthy Dan is with us. What's up, man? How are you? Chris Adams, lovely to see you, mate. So nice to see you. I always feel like we um, we don't get enough time together. So such a pleasure to get to connect with you for for the next however long. You know, for those that that are joining, they're like, who the hell is Filthy Dan? And and why is he saved in your phone as Filthy Dan? Um, <laughs> Mr. Stinger, um, more, more appropriately and politely, but uh, do us a favor, uh, Tell everyone why Filthy Dan. Well, I hope, I hope they call me Filthy Daniel because I started Filthy Food. Otherwise, that would be super weird, right? <laughs> really awkward otherwise. <laughs> yeah, super. Oh, God, there's Filthy Daniel. Um, yeah, so, so basically, I, 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 uh, I started a company called Filthy, uh, which makes mixes and garnishes for bars, restaurants, and hotels. And the name sort of Filthy Food came from the fact that my brother is my partner and Filthy was my partner. And uh, and he's only 10 months younger than me. And in England, you know, it's always raining. It's sort of pissing down all the time. And we, we as little kids was always play outside and get covered in mud. And my mum would always be like, look at you, you're bloody filthy. We're just about to go out. You're bloody filthy. You're always so bloody filthy. So that's the way we look at everything, you know, just go all in and, and fully commit, get filthy and everything because that's where the joy is. So, you know, when I started the business, we didn't know anybody and, and nobody really knew us and and uh it, it started oh, wow. all that change. Well, oh, you know, you know, you you put beautiful things into the world and and you know, hopefully the right people notice, you know. And and so then it was like, Oh, that's Daniel from Filthy, and then it just became Filthy Daniel. Oh, there's Filthy Daniel, there's Filthy Daniel. So that's now on my business card. <laughs> I love it. And you know, the crazy part is when I hear that I, you know, I've known you for a little while now. Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. See it go from you know in your mind, you, you went into this. No one knew you. You just had a, a dream, and you were wanting to put out something amazing. And now I walk into Costco. I walk into every grocery store, and and I see your amazing products all over the place. And I'm uh, like, thanks, mate. Well, in your mind, no one knew you yet. Now everyone knows your products and who you are. It's 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 awesome. It's been such a journey, you know. First of all, I have to say that's that's really America, you know. You know, for, for those of you that are just listening audially, you can tell I'm not from here originally. You know, I grew up in England, and uh, which is this amazing wet little island the size of Michigan, you know. And uh, but it feels like the biggest place in the world until you start to travel. And I, I would always come here to the states, and just a massive believer in in the American dream, really, that you can come here and you can work hard, you can do what you say you're going to do. And and over a long period of time, if you do the right thing and always show up, that people notice and, and they'll tell their friends about you. And that's really what, what happened. You know, I, I came back to America with just four barrels of olives and, and built the business out the back of my wife's minivan, you know, for three years. And my brother was going around New York with a backpack going from bar to bar. And great bartenders really told their friends. And 
And we were able to build a business that really sustained because of the bartending community just being so, so brilliant, like just so um, kind to us. And then in return, we just always didn't take any relationship for granted. If somebody needed olives at two o'clock in the morning, we would, you know, we would drop them over there. And from that just total word of mouth over the last, what do they say? It takes 15 years to have an overnight success, right? So, <laughs> so it's been, it's been right around 15 years now, mate, you know? So, so I think just, we really take a huge amount of time on, on the product. And then whether people like my accent or my bald head or whether they've ever met me or anything like that, the product has to, has to just stand by itself and, and people really notice the difference. So yeah, I was able to build a business here, which has been amazing. Really amazing. And it's because when you originally started, you guys, it was focused on olives, right? I mean, you, yeah, you it, travel, it was travel the world, you know, finding the best olive. That was your mission. Yeah. Yeah. Basically it, it, you know, it was an interesting one. I had, I'd come here. I'd built a business first of all and and sold it. And my brother my brother was in Iraq. He was a documentarian for part of a force recon unit. So he was part of a seven seven person team, seven man team, kicking doors in for a couple of years, you know, keeping us all all safe. And um and he came back here to to Miami, which is where I'm based, and we were sitting in my car and he was obviously transitioning from from being on the front line and I'd sold this business and you know, I pitched him the idea for Filthy. I'd, I was going into bars. I love bars. I love bartenders. You know, in England, they put gin in our baby bottles, right? So you've been sort of smashing martinis from 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 a tiny <laughs> age, and uh, <laughs> you know, just and I was going in there, and there was this huge renaissance happening. You know, which you were very much a part of pioneering, and and just great people that that wanted to give guests better experiences. And we were all sort of, tra- you know, that industry, our industry, was transitioning at the time from is this a legitimate profession for a lot of bartenders, you know? And then suddenly it really was, and people were becoming ambassadors. And there was this whole thing happening where cocktail was having a, a huge renaissance. But olives were always terrible. I mean, they were like big gallons. The reality is they were packed, uh, packaged for, for, for kitchens. They were very oily. They were just really, really shitty. And and we saw all of this beautiful stuff happening in the, in the in the in the the broad strokes you know service was getting better cocktail ingredients were getting better people were using fresh ingredients fresh juices fresh herbs glassware was improving it was taking longer to make cocktails they weren't being thrown together and then in the corner of the bar was this gallon of like rancid olives and there wasn't an alternative right there just wasn't anything better and I just couldn't, I was just watching that time and time again as I went into bars and dessert cherries were being used in drinks and, and people were really taking pride in what they were doing, right? So so Mark came back from Iraq, we're sitting in, in my car and uh, I sort of pitched him the idea for Filthy and he said, you know, I've jumped out of aeroplanes 2,000 times, I've, I've been in Iraq and Afghanistan for the last two years, <laughs> you want to start a cocktail garnish company? <laughs> This Makes is 2000. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> That's the perfect transition. Yeah, yeah. Especially in 2006, right? It wasn't like, you know, there was there was a huge focus on cocktails at this point, unless you were really at the, at the sharp end of the stick. So, so, um, so, yeah, he said, okay, well, I thought I was crazy. Let's do it, you know. So, so we thought it was going to take us three or four months to look at olives. There are 700 varieties of olives on the planet. He and I spent the next two years really 
just meeting great families, going to different regions and exploring ultimately what became over 230 varieties of olives. And what it really came down to is that he and I grew up in each other's pockets, right? So we're only 10, 10 months apart in age. And so we loved each other because we were brothers, but did we really like each other as adults? You know, like sometimes you don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like you reach a certain stage, especially with all, in all families, right, where it's like, I, re- I love you because you're my brother and, uh, in, in our case. And then there was twins two and a half years later, right? So there was four of us uh, really close in age. Um, and it was like, but do we really like each other? Do we have anything in common as adults, you know? Um, he was a very single pursuit human being. I was a very team sport human so we're just sort of really different and we were like you know let's let's go and look at olives together Let, let's see and that three or four months just turned into two years and we actually earned so much respect for each other and and it sort of enhanced the fact that yes we do love each other and yes we do like each other but ultimately that we could actually build something together that his strengths were perhaps my weaknesses and areas that I had some strength in he didn't particularly want to focus on so ultimately, he breathed into the business anything that happened inside the building, and I breathed out at that point. So meeting people, trying to understand the landscape, trying to find the right partners to distribute our products, trying to build relationships. And, you know, in the first three years of building any business, anything that could kill you is probably going to. And we, and we made it through, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm very grateful for those early days, you know, delivering out the back of my car and having him next to me. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny when I think about the process of owning a company and building a brand, you know, they said a million times, everybody looks at where you're at, you know, the end result that, you know, and, and no one understands that process, the journey and how for you, you know, I don't have a business partner, right? It was, which is good and bad, right? It, it's great sometimes because I don't have to. I didn't have to deal with someone else and trying to figure out that. Um, bad on the other side because you feel sometimes, and I would assume you felt the same way at times that it's no one understands that process of where you're at. No one, no one's in your head understanding your vision, the dream, you know where you're trying to go, the strategy you're trying to put in place. They just see you like, dude, just go get a job, bro. Like you yeah. work for Ritzel yeah, yeah. for all years. You were, you were successful in that. Why are you doing this? Like what's the, the you have, you were on such an amazing path. Like what's your reasoning? You're crazy. And it's, it's a, almost a, a, a lonely. Um, it's very lonely. Incredibly right? lonely. Yeah. Yeah. Discouraging at times because everyone's, it goes from people telling you, oh my God, go after your dreams to like, what are you doing? Like, this makes no sense. So to have somebody that was standing next to you going through that at the same time, um, in the same, not just the same industry, you you know, you were on the, the business license together. Um, yeah. There had to be moments where having that support and having somebody alongside you had to be beneficial as well though, right? Yeah, very much so. First of all, like over time, you want to sort of clear out all the people that are saying, what are you doing? Right? Because ultimately, we all have to surround ourselves with people that are rooting for us. And even if they don't, you know, even if they don't fully understand it, they just got to love and respect that this is the choice you're making, because you're because you're grown up. And, and by them challenging the ideal, maybe it just comes from a place of love, right? They really care about you. But 
but ultimately you have to you have to remove those voices because you know I I always felt like a time traveler you know like I'd I'd seen the future I'd been there I know what's going to happen I'm telling you and now I've sort of come back to this time and I'm saying okay everybody I, I know what it looks like you know filthy's going to be in these great bars and restaurants and don't worry I think having a partner to a certain extent sometimes it's just nice to open an envelope that you know has a, a bill in it standing next to somebody and you're going you know how are we gonna how are we gonna pay this you know so but I think at the same time you know and, and like I said my brother's a, you know a a very unique human being he's an incredible human being he's also a single pursuit human being so three years ago he sort of came to me and said look I've, I've been sitting behind a desk for a while now I've been building a boat I'm gonna sail around the world by myself so can you sort of you know, sell my stock. So, so in a way, life is also quite chapterial. Even with partnerships, you hope you go into things, whether it's a personal relationship or a business relationship, where you're going to be ride or die forever. And then sometimes people evolve in different ways. And as long as it's always healthy and respectful, you know, for me, building a global brand was always my Everest, right? Where my brother, he wants to climb Everest. It's a totally different thing. So there's no point. Um, going uh, every anybody outstaying their own personal welcome not for anybody else but for themselves and and then otherwise they just don't find joy in it anymore and i think life is tough enough so you have to find joy in all of it and it's really hard if you're around people that don't find joy in it anymore or want to do other things and then it's like if you love them you know that expression if you love them you'll let them go and also some of the other thing you said look heavy is the head that wears the crown right you're right it is lonely um, to to bear the responsibility, especially when you start to have lots of people that work for you and rely on you and are looking for you to set the vision and and always be one step ahead so you can give clarity and confidence to them to say, don't worry. I think as long as you lead with humility and kindness, ultimately, and are open with people, then then it's, it's working here. That was the other thing. Like, could we really build a massive business without being dicks, right? That's really what it comes down to doing it with love first, you know? Yeah, it's amazing how much, I was just talking to somebody the other day and they were talking to me about where the business is now and where it's going versus when on day one, when I had this dream of what it's gonna be and how, how different is it now versus what it was, you know, 10 years ago. And I'm like, it is, it's very different. I, I, I didn't think we would be going this direction as a brand now, like I did 10 years ago. I said, but the one thing that has stayed true and consistent is the foundation and core of who I was and what, who I wanted to be, what I wanted to affect hasn't changed, right? Like I, I, I mass, I deeply care about others and their success. I want to see people win. Then that includes my own team. Like I want them to win. I love giving. Um, it's just, it's, it's in my DNA. That's never changed. Now, the evolution of our brand and different directions we've gone and things that we do that's that's changed and evolved and i don't i didn't expect some of the things to happen but the ethos of who i was as a person has always been kind of my my true north um my north star process and it's almost like that's your that's the question you go back to ask yourself before you make that decision is am i still doing the core of what i set out to do and it's never changed with with revenue or money or that's that's i'm still that's still my foundation and my decision making is built on the on that 
And I think that's, that's an important thing when people ask me, I'm going into a business, how do I do it? Or what's the next steps? And I think making sure you understand who you are and what, what you're trying to accomplish, that needs to be, you need to know that like down deep and it can't, the minute that you change that and you kind of change who you are as a person based on a, a bigger check or a different contract, be careful. It's a slippery slope. What did, um, you know, public enemy don't believe the hype, right? I mean, like at the end of the day, you're the same guy I met 10 years ago, exactly the same guy. And I, I hope you think that, that I am right. Uh, I think, uh, that's the thing. Um, self-awareness is, is ultimately the key. So you, and also why are you doing this? I always do things to do them. I never do things to get something else, you know, and, and, and I think that's really ultimately what it comes down to. We all want to look everybody that works at filthy. We all have a chip on our shoulder for whatever reason, you know, that it, it, it was developed there. And I, I love that. I love that because there's that drive and that energy, whether it's to prove something to somebody that didn't think uh, you would make anything of yourselves or, or, whether they were fired from a, a job at one stage in their careers or whatever it is, there's that there's that energy that says, I want to make a difference and I want to win, I want to work hard. Uh, and I'm but it's do the right thing, whatever the cost, right? That's the thing. It's not do the right thing as long as it suits me to do the right thing or do the right thing as long as it doesn't impact me personally. It's do the right thing, whatever the cost. And I think that's the ethos and the culture here, you know. Inevitably, when you build a business as an entrepreneur like you are, and like I am, um, pain is inevitable, right? So really what it comes down to is your own ability to, your own personal pain threshold and then the, the pain threshold of the people that love you. You know, like when I started Filthy, I, I had my wife, I had two children that were very young. Uh, we had one on the way, you know, and I think ultimately in this, as bigger a partner as my brother was, in those early years and us being able to sort of look at each other and trust the other one was working really hard could absolutely in no way, shape or form be the person that was so dedicated to build a business. If my wife wasn't completely committed to loving me and to the kids and to being a really true life partner, I think sometimes that's not really spoken about a lot, you know, the, the person that's standing next to you, because it's not just your ability to withstand pain, because ultimately we're all built, we're a bit like nuts, right? We have to be like, it doesn't matter. We're just going to keep doing it. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep doing it. But then you look across and, and your kids have got, you know, the worst sneakers on or the, you know, shorts that are falling off or, or whatever it is. And your wife is still looking at you like you got this. You, that is so massive. It's so massive, right? Because you have to be brave beyond you. You have to be feel strength from that. And I think, you know, most people with those sort of responsibilities in the early stages, that it makes them feel less, you know, risk more risk averse. And for me, it was the complete opposite. I got so much strength from that little unit and feeling like it's okay, Dan, you can do this. We, I mean, we were delivering out of the back of Kim's car for three years. I would, she would drop the kids at school, come back. I'd untake, take all the seats out of the back. I'd fill it with boxes out of the garage, um, make my deliveries, come back home, put the seats back in. She'd pick them up from school, take the seats back out, and then make deliveries at night. 
You can't do you can't do any of that without the person standing next to you going, I love you anyway. I got you. We got this. And it's so massive. Honestly, for me in my journey, you know, I talk about America being an incredible partner for me and giving me the sort of strength and opportunity. And my brother in those early years just, you know, being on my six and us like getting out there and like challenging each other to just kind of build a business and having each other's backs. And ultimately my wife and and the kids just give me a huge amount of strength to be able to um to be able to carry on on days where I felt weaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, that a lot of times when you're going through this, um, when you're building a brand, and I, I think one thing I'll point out is having an ethos and knowing who you are doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes, right? You, oh God, yeah. That's okay. Right. That's okay. You know, failing, uh, failing doesn't make you a failure and making no. mistakes are okay. Um, knowing how to rebound from those mistakes, learning from the mistakes, be better moving forward. That's important. And I think the other part for me was on those, on those days when it's not going right, those weeks, those months where you're like, I, I don't know how tomorrow's going to happen. Um, having my two kids, that says no i'm gonna get up again um yeah love them right yeah and, you know like you my kids were super young at the time they didn't know they they got up every day and went to school and you know life yeah. is life yeah yeah, yeah. me that was that was part of that push and that motivation and um to, to help me push on and continue on those days when you didn't feel like doing it um, when it didn't feel it was going to work, um, but you still had to have something inside that was pushing you forward. Um, the kids were that. And then as for, for my journey, um, it was then as time went on, then, then Maricela came into my life. Right. And, and then having, finding that person that helped push me to the next level of, of where I was going personally and professionally. Right. It was, business was doing this, but she helped me figure out how to take the business to the next level. But then that also personally helped me become the person that I, I really wanted to be, but didn't, but wasn't there yet. Right. I, I knew inside who I was supposed to be as a human being. Um, and I wanted to be that person, but I wasn't that person. Um, and having somebody come in to help me find that it, it was an interesting process for me, for sure. One thing I want to ask you, um, and this is an interesting subject, um, as it, and it kind of goes with where we're at right now. Do you find that when you first started this, um, a lot of people they they want to see you there in your corner, right? They, man, this is, oh, chase your dreams, right? You hear people say that, and man, we're so proud to see you do this, and it's almost like pat you on the head, like, oh, we don't know we're going to make it, but yeah, this is great, buddy. Go go out there and try to make something of yourself, right? Do you find that the more success you find, there's more people that want to see you fail? Mm. I think if there are, I don't, um, I've luckily through support system, through, you know, not showing up everywhere all the time now, um, I'm less surrounded by people. Look, inevitably, there are always going to be people that don't want to see you be successful. And then you've got to determine, or I've determined, everything is fuel for me. So I think I've been I've been looking at this 
very, very closely. I've been exploring my own personal happiness, right? Which I think is happy. Being happy is almost like a bit of a rainbow, right? The light has to hit the water with the sunlight and reflect in a certain way and all these, these things come to happen, and that creates happiness, right? Uh, but I know I can't rely on happiness. What I have to do is be incredibly positive. So if I look at a battery with a negative, the more the stronger the negative, the stronger the positive. For me, I always skew positive. So the more shit, the more people like the like I said, that maybe send you shade or um, you know smile at you and and then talk shit about you behind your back or or whatever it is. I don't really I feel it, but I use it. Like for me, I'm I'm only it's all about positivity, right? Honestly, I, I don't spend any time in the negative because I feel like I'm a, a human being with a finite amount of energy and I can only do so much. So why waste it? And I say this to my kids, shit in, shit out. If you're consuming just all of this crap all the time, like what do you expect to be able to produce, right? So I, do, I, I am quite... Now, enemies are energizing. I'm a big believer in that, right? It's not all like everybody's like, holding hands in a circle, I, I want to win, right? So inevitably, competition is is great. People that are not rooting for you, it's great. Whatever fuels you, use it. Use it. As long as you then use it to push yourself forward and continue to shine and try to make good things happen, that's really what it comes down to. That That's for me. But yeah, I mean, in England, it's, it's a t like you said, it's a tiny little um, island. And people are much more optimistic here and much more celebrate, celebratory of the successes and the wins, where there it is a little bit of an island mentality, I found, at least in my experience through it. You know, very dyslexic kid, um, didn't do particularly well in school, um, all of those types of things. There are people sometimes that, you know, that inevitably don't want to see success, but I don't really find that as much here, at least not to my face. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say that because we push big time at EAG. Um, I talk a lot about perspective and you're going to, you have a choice. The one or two ways to think about something and that's completely up to you. Choosing to look positive versus the negative in any situation that all, all it is, is you're going to, you're going to think one way or the other. All it is, is a choice of how you choose to view it, um, which then dictates your emotions and our emotions then drive our behavior, right? All those things happen based on how our mind processes things. Exactly. And, and how, how, are you, how are you going to build a global brand? How are you going to build a global brand if you're focusing any energy on being a negative human being? How yeah. are you going to build a, a, re, a, 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 a national brand? How are you going to build a regional brand? How are you going to do something cool locally if yeah. you're just tearing other people down or not feeling good about stuff? You're just not. So you have to yeah. make a choice, right? That's it. You know, it's funny. Um, I don't even know if you realize this. So, you know, we teach, um, my dad was a psychologist and our brand is really built on understanding the brain and how the brain affects behavior of our, our guests, our teams and whatnot. Right. So you and I were together, um, in Miami and we were at a bar and I, we do this workshop. Called the that's a shock. That's I know. Hold on. Did you say we were at a bar? Yeah, so you'll probably remember this thing that often, often. Um, we teach this thing called psychology of hospitality, and I had done it for a few years, and, and it had done really well um, in a lot of our luxury brands. And there was this was when I feel 
the transition was happening because now you hear this word everywhere. Everybody's talking storytelling, storytelling. What oh, are you storytelling? Right. I mean, I hear that constantly. It's overused. People don't really understand what storytelling is, especially when we talk about food and beverage and developing concepts and all. But this is really at the precipice of when it was coming to light. And you and I were sitting in a bar and we were talking and you told me, um, you, you talked to me about a, a story of something you had read. Um, and I went and did my own homework and research on this. And now it is a huge piece of our psychology of hospitality. Um, and I don't know if you remember, we were talking about significant objects. Do you remember this? Yes, yes, I do. I do. Uh, sig uh, significant versus insignificant and the story that's attached to them can give them much greater value. I do remember that. I'm trying to remember the journalist that wrote that. Um, the guy that was doing a garage sale. Yeah, he was doing a garage sale. Yeah, I sale. love that story. Yeah, I love that story. He that wanted idea. to throw something away, and he was like, you know, wait a minute. Why are you throwing that away? I, you know, And the guy's yeah. like, it's a broken coffee mug. It serves no purpose. And he said in that moment, he realized that that broken coffee mug had no value to his friend, but to him, because of the story attached to that mug, who gave it to him at what time, it had enormous value. And then he went out, bought a bunch of tchotchkes, spent a few hundred bucks, you're right. And yeah, you were the catalyst that that told me about that, but I went and did homework on it. And now it is a huge piece of our psychology class of helping people understand the value of their story. And we talk about it in, in two ways, right? So on one hand, when we teach this, I talk about how your ability to tell a great story, whether it's a product you're selling or a concept you have or a hotel, whatever, that story is important and, it's, and, and it adds value. But then I also talk about your ability to understand your story and how regardless of how you were raised, the good, the bad, the indifferent, your story gives you value and it helps you understand your, your worth. And it doesn't matter if you were raised with with a silver spoon uh, in your mouth or you were raised with absolutely nothing, that story you have gives you value and it helps develop who you are and your character when you go to talk to others. And um, I, I attribute the success of that class and that workshop because you and I sitting in a bar, you told me this this deep, amazing story that then became a huge part of, of what oh, we how wonderful. Yeah, that's so. thank you for reminding me of that story because I – I, I found it very impactful when I when I first read it and, and became aware of it. I'm trying to remember the journalist's name. Um, I'll, I'll have to go back and, and relook at it. But just the idea of um, something having a real value once you create an emotional connection with people around it, and um, and I, and I think you no, know, to your point, um, you know, storytelling and telling the story and, and all these made up stories around certain things, you know, for people to market certain things in in, in a way. Um, ultimately over a long enough period of time, you know, I've been doing filthy for 15 years, you know, people can feel it. Um, it, and, but what I do think, and what I think what I think would be valuable to, to every, anybody listening would be trying to find a way to communicate the story in an efficient way so that people can tell their friends, you know, like that's the thing. Sometimes people talk about a story in a really big way or they go all over the place and, and then when somebody's listened to it they like little bits of it but how do, how are they going to tell it forward and then how's that person going to tell it to their friend and their friend so when it gets eight friends away from when you told that original story how close is it going to be to the story you told and i think 
that's uh, that's really the thing and i'm not saying you know if you have more time with people you shouldn't you know go into more detail and all of those things but i i think certainly for you know trying to get people to you know bar, filthy is a bartender's word of mouth brand right it was totally word of mouth and it ultimately was like yeah there's these two brothers uh, they looked at hundreds of varieties of olives they naturally cure them they don't use chemicals and uh, they built the business out the back of their car. You really like Daniel. You really like Mark. They're really good people. You know, check out their wallets. And, and it was something, and that sort of evolved into this two, 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 four, four, right? Two brothers spent two years. They looked at over 200 varieties of olives. They spent four months naturally curing the olives as opposed to four days with chemicals. Two brothers, two years, over 200 varieties of olives, four months to naturally cure the olives as opposed to four days with chemicals. And in a way, that story over time with bartenders telling it on and me hearing the way they were telling it ultimately evolved into maybe a really efficient way of communicating it so that you hope that story could go beyond you because, you know, we're not all ultimately social media savvy and we're not all, you know, out there doing stuff all the time. So how do you get your story to, 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 to flow so people get to know what you're doing? If you yeah, think it will be a value to them. Yeah. yeah, no, of course. And I think as you're building and something I've watched you do, in fact, I was with you in your offices when you were looking at the new branding um, of, of Filthy. And I think it was um, uh, beautiful, by the way. But I think Thanks, it man. also speaks to the fact when we talk about storytelling, when I think about building a brand and we get brought in to help you know create these brands, is understanding that your story has to be told in many different ways, but it all has to tell the same story, right? So if you're walking into a restaurant, a bar or a hotel, whatever your whatever you believe your story is, I, I always say if if I have to write the story out on the on the cover of a menu for people to read, for you yeah. to understand the story, then you don't have a good concept. No, like the that's concept right. should be told with every single touch point that without the server saying anything, they know what you're they know your story. Right now, the server is just coming in to reaffirm, to give cool little details, to kick it up a notch, so to speak. But if I have to literally write out a story of what the concept is for somebody to understand my brand, then you yeah. don't really have a concept, right? Absolutely. I, Absolutely. I mean, you, over the years, really dial in the details beyond. So, because when you started, it was driven on what you just said, right? It was the 22244. Then it was the amazing product that you had found that you believed was going to revolutionize an industry. Well, now that brand has evolved and you have many other products and you have a lot going on with your brand, but you've been able to, whether you realize it or not, and I think you're a very smart individual, so you know exactly what you were doing. But you made sure the details of everything that was going on still spoke to the story of who you are. So as you develop other things that weren't those the, the original olives, you still had a story you were telling and it all spoke together. And now your branding and all these things start working beautifully together to create this massive you know, brand that you're, you're now building. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. But I think you said it really articulately earlier you know in the 10 years and then the people that influence you and just your own personal evolution is going to is going to create an evolution for the things that are around you whether it's your influence on your children whether it's your brand the people that work for you we we don't you know there's there's this um fixed mindset and which is 
you know, you're never going to change. And then there's this other mindset, which is sort of curious and, and open to the fact that you just don't know it all and you're going to leave with humility. And I think everything for me goes back to filthy, filthy. It's like we're going all in. It's not about dipping your toe in. It's about going all in because that's where the joy is. So whether it's a conversation, whether it's a moment, whether it's working with an agency to look at evolving your packaging, whether it's a, you know, sitting at a bar, whether it's standing up in front of hundreds of salespeople, wh whatever it ultimately is, I always think of it like three parts. It's the work you do before the meeting. You know, I, I believe in this thing called the seven Ps, which is proper planning and preparation prevents piss poor performance, right? So I really plan very, very detailed. And then when I get there, I try to just be so present and so committed to it that I'm not thinking of other things at all. I'm like, I'm, I'm all in. I've jumped and I'm building my wings on the way down. Hopefully, because of the proper planning and preparation, those wings are going to make help me fly. But I've, I've hit the sidewalk a number of times, right? So I'm, I'm fully in. And then after the opportunity, after the experience, how did we all do? What, what didn't work? What didn't work? And then it sort of goes into this loop. You know, so you're you're preparing properly. You're, our job, I like, because I know you do it all the time. That's it, mate, isn't it? We prepare all the time, whether it's a, a new hotel you're opening or or a new market we're launching or whatever it might be. We we try to get our information. We try to go there ready and prepared. When we're there, we put every ounce of love and energy and commitment to that moment so that we can have as most impact. And I think that comes down to a total lack of entitlement. I don't feel in any way entitled to anybody's attention. I don't feel entitled to anybody's um, positivity. I have to earn completely every single second of it. And I can only do that if I'm fully there and they can feel my 100% commitment. And then afterwards I go, wow, that really had an impact. Or that, they never, this audience, they just, I, I wasn't communicating in, in a way that they got it. And I thought it was going to land and it just didn't. So how do we evolve that back again when we start that loop of preparation again? So I think I think it's, you know, it's just about being fully committed all the way through. And then in that evaluation piece, you know, you mentioned the branding. Our branding initially was for bartenders. It was we are filth is a premium with attitude company, right? There's a lot of brands in the premium space of uh, heritage brands that have multiple generations of uh, of uh of people that have been committed to that brand and that story. And then there's rebellion, right? There's, I know you've been doing it for a hundred years, but as a entrepreneur, I'm a total juvenile delinquent, which means I like to break stuff and try to rebuild it again. So I'm going to, I respect your heritage business and I respect the way that you're doing it, but I'm going to rebel against that and create something. So filthy being premium with attitude, the old branding had a lot of attitude in it but it never communicated the premium nature of what it is we were doing. It never communicated any of those quality cues. So as you start to grow beyond the bars, hopefully into retail and into home consumers where you're not going to have a chance to connect or they're not going to under care about the terroir of the olives or whatever it might be, the packaging has to live and communicate all of those things and our packaging wasn't good enough. And then to your point, it's about putting the other people in the room where you can create a respectful platform or forum to really challenge and push each other around and in a respectful way to create beautiful work. And so I love that. It's great. And you said something there. We, I, there's a quote that I love that says, change, in a, change is inevitable, growth is optional. And I think when you look at a brand, when you look at a person, um, when you're building a brand, your ability to be okay with change happening, you know, when you're, when, 
you know, when you create something and it's funny because even going back to the days when I would be behind the bar, when you create a cocktail, when a chef creates a dish, when you're creating your olives, it is, it becomes very personal for you, right? It's, it's when that chef creates a dish and somebody says they don't like it. I mean, you're, you're ready to fight him because, you know, <laughs> I, I birthed this, right? I tried yeah. 30 different variations of it until I believe this is the perfect one. And now someone says it's, it's not good. It's, it's a very personal thing. Your ability with a brand, you birth this, like it is very personal for you. It is, it is a child, something that you take on you when somebody says they don't like your brand, when they don't, they don't like something about your brand. It is something that it, it cuts deep. You're you know what? Can I just be really distinct about that, though? Really distinct yeah. about that, because I think there is a there is a difference. If somebody says I personally don't like it, I'm totally cool with that. I get it. If they say it's not good or it's shit, I take that very very personally because it says everything about them and nothing about my brand. Right? In a way, there's there's hundreds of people that have um, reached the point where that thing's going out into the world. So you may not personally like it. And we live in an amazing place where people get to have those opinions. I have to respect your opinion. I may not agree with it. I respect your opinion. You don't like it. I totally get it. If you say it's shit, then absolutely we're fighting in the parking lot. <laughs> totally it's, different, right? Yeah, totally it's, different. It's, totally it's different. so true because I, and I, I say this when we're, we're doing classes and somebody's trading cocktails or so. Well, yeah, I had to realize really quick that someone's palate that's their palate there's no right or wrong if you make somebody something and they go i just don't like it that's okay right i got 12 people that love one person that doesn't that's their palate life goes on right so i i think it's so true what you just said that is the difference between um someone that their opinion of they they like or don't like something versus now okay you don't like me and now this is you're just and now you're just coming after exactly exactly and then also what is that okay what did that opinion that you just had that said you didn't like it cost you okay did it cost you if you take a position on something i'm going to stand for this what did it cost you did it cost you your friends did it cost you your job did it cost you any money no it didn't cost you any of those things so therefore it has no value so why should i put any value on it i respect it but i don't have to put any value on it Okay, you don't like it. Okay, uh, no problem. Go with love. Find something you like. Do you know what I mean? That's totally cool. But if you take a position which is, it's this, then I have to go, what do you base that on? Oh, well, actually, I'm really just friends with the guy that has the other company that's your company. Oh, okay. Okay, I get it. So it's not that you don't like it. You just love your, or, or you think it's bad. You just happen to love your friend. Totally got it. But a lot of times people are just so, um, like I said, like language is very powerful, right? But at the same time, I have to say, what did it really cost you to have that opinion? Actually, it just cost you nothing. You just, you read an article, um, you, you, you got enough information to regurgitate somebody else's opinion. Suddenly you're going to, uh, you're going to take that opinion as your own. But are you going to die on that hill? fighting for that opinion actually you're not really because you just you know it's just a flippant thing okay it's all cool it's like i said at the end of the day it's we, we when you go at home and you're looking in the mirror before you go to bed you go yeah i, I had a good day there's lots of people that work here we're, we're responsible for lots of people's families we're we're trying to do the right thing every day we're 
we're supporting uh, the growers that are that are harvesting all the fruit naturally and all of these types of things. And it's like, okay, mate, you don't like the stuff, or you're going to have some some comment that's that's a little bit um, you know inappropriate about about filthy or why is it called filthy? Fil- that, I get that a lot. Oh, I'd never buy a product that's called filthy. Okay, don't buy it. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that's all right. All right, yeah. High five. You know, thank you for thank you for bringing a little bit of sunshine onto onto our <laughs> comment section. A good job. You know, it's yes. like, you know, whatever it is, it's like people are so um, eclectic and so different. So yeah, I don't know. I just try to just try to so, focus on. Well, now uh, we're getting to the tail end of this, and I'm curious. You know, you started with the olives, and not to put you on the spot here, but how yeah. many? I assume you know the answer to this. How many different products do you guys have now? Yeah, no, it's an interesting one because I think of not just the core products, I think of the sizes and the packaging that we use, right? So, uh, you know, when Charlie Charlie Hart, who's Filthy COO, when he first came here, we had like 19 SKUs. And now we've got, you know, over 100. And it's only really because of packaging choices, you know? Let's take the Bloody Mary mix as an example. It will come in a tiny little four ounce pouch for Delta Airlines, which says, you know, on the back of it, we met on a plane. Now take us And just home. so you know, uh, as a Delta, as most of our team flies Delta. Oh, really, cool. really appreciate the fact that you're on Delta now. So thank you very much yeah. for that. No, no. So that's the point. You can do one product like a, you know, like a Bloody Mary mix and it can go all the way from this tiny little four ounce jar, right? A uh, four ounce pouch all the way up to say... Oh gosh, something like this, you know, for the cruise ships, you know. So I think, in a way, all, all in all, there's hundreds of SKUs. It's really around twelve core items, um, and it's and it's just about giving people um, packaging is a massive thing. Actually, just to say that, especially if you're in a in a product uh, industry like mine, um, we're really looking at packaging a huge amount at the moment, right? Because um, as I said, we like to break stuff. That's just innately within our business. Just because somebody's been doing it like that for a hundred years, why do why do we do it like that? Or just because people have been using glass or plastic bottles for their bloody merry mix, do we have to do that? So I think I think that's 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 a big part of it. I think packaging is is really where the growth of the business has come. There's been a few extra items over the years. It takes a long time to put a new product into the world. You have to for us determine why are we doing it really, and does the world need another one of these things? Like Bloody Mary mix is a prime example. Uh, margarita mix. Does the world need another Bloody Mary mix? There's hundreds of them. Well, actually, when you really look at it, the market's full of preservatives and additives and uh, allergens and all different sorts of things. Or so margarita mix. You know, tequila's on fire. Everybody loves tequila, and yet the mixes on the market, none of them were made with fresh lime juice. You know, lime concentrate or ascorbic acid, which is synthetic vitamin C. So, could we, if we're going to get into that space? Do we want to have a fight because there's going to be a more competitive market? Mixes is more competitive, say, than olives. Yeah, actually, you know what? We're ready for that. As long as you know what you stand for, fresh ingredients, sustainable packaging, doing something that we think will give the bartender some more empowerment, give their guests a better experience, all good. It's never been about just launching products. But I am actually curious about maybe doing some collaborations or some seasonal stuff as, you know, to, to just work with people that I like and, and do some cool stuff. So I think, you know, we're not opposed to doing more products. It's just for the what are the reasons we're actually doing it. Hey, I think for all of the all of us, the consumer, 
Uh, we love hearing that you're looking at doing real products. There's nothing that you put out that isn't phenomenal. Um, oh, thank you. Thanks, mate. And so uh, that's exciting to hear that you got more stuff. I know, I know on the horizon. Uh, so I look yes. forward to and promoting it for you, being one of your Thanks, best. Thanks, pal. Mate, so <laughs> great to see you, man. Really, I can't wait for us to be able to get into the same city at some point and have a proper catch up. And and thanks for inviting me on to to sort of tell the story and just and just have a catch up. So no, lovely to see you, brother. Uh, hey, as we close out, how can people find you? Whether it's so, social media or yeah, definitely. So so the company uh, Filthy Food dot com filthyfood.com uh you know depending on where you guys want to shop if you're a bar restaurant or hotel uh on premise or retail store you probably want to find filthy through your distributor and we have great distribution through our liquor partners liquor distributor partners around the country like southern wine and spirit and breakthrough beverage so ask your local um uh, a spirit salesperson you know do you guys carry filthy hopefully they would have presented it to you already um but certainly retail stores um and uh, Amazon and, and ultimately at filthyfood.com. But reach out to me if anybody has any questions. Yes, this is my real email address. It's daniel at filthyfood.com. I, uh, I will try to get back to you as quickly as I can. And, and um, thank you for being interested in what we're doing. Man, thank you so much. I encourage everyone to follow along, buy the product, check it out. Um, not only is the, the product great, the guy that we've been talking to is literally one of the best people on the planet. Um, and I'm very fortunate to, to be able to call you uh, a friend as well. So thanks so much for being on. Um, you have been listening to The Pink Elephant. Um, I am Chris Adams. You can find us at www.ellisadamsgroup.com or myself at Chris Adams underscore EAG at Ellis Adams official. Follow along on the ride as we uh, take you around the world uh, doing what we can to, to help others. So thanks so much and we'll see you next week.